Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. My bad. Sorry, I was with the Lord. Uh, give it up for Pastor Charlie one time. What a legend. Come on, somebody. Oh. Alrighty, my bad. I didn't have a microphone. I wasn't ready. I'm a hot mess. How you doing this morning? Oh man, come on somebody. I think there's a room full of hot messes this morning because that worship was fuego. Come on, can you make some noise for worship crew for leading us into the presence of the Lord? What a time to be alive. Wow. Oh man. Yo, Jacob, you the man. We love you. What a mustache. What a man. It's so good. Hey, good morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I'm uh, Pastor Matt, my beautiful wife and I. You saw her earlier. We're the lead pastors here at Takeover Church, and it is an honor to be out of breath with you this morning. Um, I was losing my mind like a madman falling out of his tree, okay? Like, what an incredible time in worship this morning. The presence of God is just thick in this place. Amen? Amen. Come on. Well, this morning... Um, before we get to the message real quick, I just want to say again, uh, I know Pastor Scott mentioned it at the beginning of service, but man, we are in the first month of 2022. How many are so grateful for 2022? You're like, we made it. We made it. But man, we are in the first month and we are going towards our big offering and all that good stuff. And it's amazing. And I want to ask and encourage you just to pray. Just to pray. I'm not going to tell you a dollar amount. I'm not even going to tell you that you have to do it. I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord to decide if and how you should play a part in our big offering. And I think that's pretty incredible that the Lord invites us into this. And, you know, it's funny. I think people get really weird about finances. And I can't say that I blame you because some televangelists did some weird things back in the day, okay? Um, I get that. But honestly, man, when I think about Jesus taking over people's lives, I think there is no work that he could ask me to partner with him in that I wouldn't just get excited for. I don't, like, it can no longer remain uncomfortable. When Jesus takes over your life, finances, sex, all of these things in culture, these things that are taboo, no, 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 they are taken over by the blood and presence of Lord Jesus. Amen? So I can get excited. I can talk about uncomfortable things. I can just throw my freaking wallet at the world and say, God, you can have it all. Because you know what? Take everything else and just give me Jesus. And whatever gets Jesus out is what I want to be a part of. Amen. How's y'all's fast doing? You doing good? You look faster. You look lighter. No. <laughs> Had to. Had to. I'm that guy. I'm totally that guy. Uh, dumb pastor joke number one for this morning. Anyways. But hey, it's good to be here this morning. We are going to get into the word of God. Does that sound good? Fantastic. Who's been enjoying our new series right now? New wine, fresh oil, old fire. Come on. Man, we got Pastor Adrian preaching next week. Woo! Come on, you know how her catchphrase is, can you hear me? And then you say, yeah, yeah, get ready for that to be back. It's going to be awesome. She's super stoked. Um, but yeah, this morning we were continuing our message series. So if you're ready and taking notes, who's ready for notes? Yeah. Title of my message this morning is Designed to Burn. Designed to Burn. Designed to Burn. Who's ready for the Word of God this morning? Man, I lost everything today. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Anybody see my phone? Whatever. I don't care. Ah, sweet. Cool. Be blessed, Amy. All right, we're coming out of Revelations 1, 12 through 19. It'll be on the Sky Bible. Hey, give it up for uh, Killa Kells in the back of the booth holding down Sky Bible. She's a champion. That girl trained like one time and then was like, yo, I got this. And I'm like, let's go. Let's go. She is killing the game. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, come on, somebody. Revelations 1, 12 through 19. Somebody say, it's about to get real. <laughs> I'm not an end time preacher, but we spend a lot of time in Revelation these days, ain't we? Come on. Verse 12. Here we go. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, Jesus clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. 
and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In, this, in his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. Somebody say, Fear not. Fear not. I am the first, and I am the last, and I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and hell. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that, are tho- those that are and those that are to take place after this. We're going to pray. We're going to let the Lord do some surgery today. Sound good? Come on. Come on. Father God, we just thank you so much right now. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be found in the house of God. God, right now, we just thank you. We thank you that you are so patient that you are so kind, that you are so loving, and while at the same time you are that Father who is just speaking hope and speaking position and speaking prominence and speaking urgency, and you are just speaking over your sons and your daughters, God, and you are stoking the flames of revival and renewal within your saints this morning, Father God, right now, right now, underneath the mighty name of Jesus. Underneath the mighty name of Jesus, every other spirit that is present in this room, you must go, and Holy Spirit, we hand it over to you. Spirit of distraction, you're not welcome here. Spirit of infirmary, you're not welcome here. Spirit of fear, you're not welcome here. Right now, the only spirit that is allowed in this house is that of you, God, the Holy Spirit. So come rule and reign, have your way, be with me to be careful to give only the words that you want me to give today. Father God, make my speech your speech, keep my jokes stupid, and not many. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church, everyone agree with that? Come on, amen, oh my gosh, my wife should not be the loudest one saying amen to that one, okay? Oh man, gosh, designed to burn, designed to burn, I gotta tell you, I absolutely love the book of Revelation. I'm that guy that when I met Jesus at 16, I was like, yo, I think all the other stuff is cool, and I'm down with, like, you know, tabernacles and, like, things of old and all that. But, like, where's the dragons and where's the crazy stuff and, like, where's Jesus with a sword and a tattoo? Like, that's kind of what I'm here for, right? And so I've always been obsessed, and thankfully that obsession has led me to doing a lot of homework and doing a lot of, a lot of just scholarly studying in my life that I just, I love this so much and I don't claim to, to know the, all the end days, to know all the things of old, to, all, to understand exactly everything that Jesus spoke to John here in this passage of scripture. But man, I pray that this morning we would just get such a revelation, much like John gets in this scripture. This is called revelation in the Bible, but it's actually known as the revelation of Jesus Christ. Does anybody want a revelation of Jesus Christ? Does anybody need a revelation of Jesus Christ? Does anybody's body, soul, spirit, marriage, finances, whatever, your identity need a revelation of Jesus Christ? Because mine does. Amen. So here in the scripture, this is John. I love John. No, not John the Baptist. You know, we talked about him a couple weeks ago. This is John. This is Jesus' cousin. He is one experiencing this moment. John, I love John, and so did Jesus. And John loved John. And John let you know that Jesus loved him. In fact, one of the most notorious things that he is just widely known for is he goes, this is John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, you know. And if you watch The Chosen, Peter's just over in the corner like angry, you know, and just like, shut up. And, uh, but John is the man. I love John. John is incredible. His, his gospel is my favorite of the gospels. Not that they're not all great and all the word of God, obviously. Don't tweet me, okay? I just love it because he is just straightforward. He comes with it, okay? Like, he's just like, yeah, 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 context is great, you know, but here's your medicine. Like, I, and that's kind of what I need. Like, just line me up and smack me, John. I need it. And so John, John is in this moment. And John, the reason he's in this moment is because John... Well, John, not just being Jesus' favorite disciple, as he would call himself, or his most loved disciple himself, John is, John is probably Jesus' toughest disciple. 
You see, in this moment, the context here, and I love context. Context brings clarity. Context makes everything even better. Some of us, we grew up in church our entire lives and did not realize that the Bible is better than we knew it to be, okay? Like, it is richer, it is thicker, it is better, it is better. Come on, somebody. This is not just a nice thing to look good in Instagram photos. It reads better and changes your life when it's opened, amen? I love the Bible. It's better than you know that it is. Spend some time in it this week. Can I just teach you that for a second? God wants to spend time with you. So open up his word, crack that bad Jackson open, and spend some time with the Lord. Amen? So here's John. And John, when he has this revelation, John is actually banished to an island. Wow, man, that sounds real promising, right? John is banished to an island. You see, John was so faithful, and John was so just what do you want to call it? He was a disruptor. He was a disruptor. John wasn't content with the way the world was. John wasn't content with Rome. You see, he oversaw the Roman church at this time. And, and John, he wasn't content with the fact that there was uh, sex slavery of children, okay? He wasn't content that people owned other people. He wasn't content that not only were people in bondage to slave and sin, but they were further bringing people into change and further bondage to slave and sin because of it. He wasn't a fan of these things because Jesus isn't a fan of these things. Amen? Praise God. And so John being John, being the one who spent the most time with Jesus is true. He had a lot of people around him. And then he had the 12 disciples. And then he had three that would go the furthest with him. And then there was one John. And John being the one, well, John, John was a good man, John was a loud man, and John would not settle for status quo, John would not lay down for Caesar, he only laid down for Christ, and this got John an absolute, literal, not hot water, but hot oil. We're talking about fresh oil, John was in some hot oil, because what happens is there's a Caesar at the time, his name's Domitian, and Domitian commissioned, hello, got bars, boy, Domitian commissioned Roman soldiers, Scott's like, shut up, Domitian commissioned his Roman soldiers to go and find John, to hunt John down, you see, Domitian was so enraged, Reed, it's so good to see you, my friend, he was so enraged with what John was doing that he just wouldn't, just wouldn't shut up. He just wouldn't go silent. He just wouldn't stop. They couldn't pay him off. They couldn't beat him down. They couldn't bribe him. They couldn't entrap him. They tried it all, okay? And so what ends up happening is Domitian's like, oh yeah? Jesus? So good, so bad? We'll see about that, John. And what he does is he finds John. He kidnaps John. This is what looking like a disciple looks like. We live in cushy America, even in 2022. We want to talk about being persecuted because they try to take our tax credit away from us. Take the tax credit and give me Jesus, amen? Because what John the Baptist does, or not the Baptist, John the disciple does in this moment isn't because he's Jesus' cousin. It was because he positioned himself the closest to Jesus. And what happens is Domitian takes him, and he gets, this, he gets this oil drum, if you will. Picture this metal, just cold thing. And Domitian, he puts it in the middle of the Roman Colosseum. You ever seen the Roman Colosseum? Who's seen Gladiator? You know what I'm talking about? What he ends up doing is he puts a giant fire in the middle of the Colosseum. On top of that fire, this oil drum thing, if you will, this metal cast iron thing. Puts it right there in the middle of the Roman Colosseum. He invites 50,000 people. 80,000 people show up. The Colosseum, and check this out. This isn't only simply recorded in the Bible. This is recorded in historical, what is known as extra-biblical writings. That means people who were in attendance this day testify to this. People who may not have known Christ at the time testify to this. There is history, world history that speaks of this event in our lifetimes. Does that sound good to you? Come on, listen to this. Check this out. And what happens is it gets real bad real fast. 80,000 people show up. Domitian hog ties this man, puts oil in this container, brings it to a boil, and then begins to place John. Before this moment, check that. Before this moment, places John in a boiling vat 
of oil and proceeds to deep fry John. Well, Matt, how is that possible? I don't know, but John's recorded as saying that Jesus said all things are possible with God, not all things are possible with man. And what ends up happening is history and the word of God both record. You know what happened to John? John refused to die. John refused. Hear that. Hear that. We are coming out of 2020 and 2021, and so many Christians, man, whether it was physically or spiritually, we have just left it all to bankruptcy. We have let it all ride on deconstruction. We have torn down our faith. We have left the church. We've abandoned our brothers and sisters. We didn't even get in the oil. We just had a virus. We just had governmental overreach. We just had all of these riots and all of these social justice things. We just had a world torn into vision allow us to tear us away from our Lord and Savior. But we got John the disciple who says, I refuse to die. Boiled in oil, refuse to die. Friends, let it be known as Takeover Church. If you're a part of this house, we will not be given over to death. We will be given over to revival. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. We will not be known as a people that are given over to deconstruction. We will be given over to truth. Amen? We will not be a people that are impressed with the boiling. We will be sold out for the burning. Amen? Come on, somebody. Is there any revivalists in the house this morning? The government ain't changed much. They just got different tactics. I don't care if it's Caesar or the president. I don't care if it's a prime minister. I don't care who it is. There is one head of the table. There is one king of kings. There is one lord of lords. There is one savior who saved us when we couldn't. He is at the throne. He is at the head. He is at the top of everything that this church for sure lives, breathes, and dies on. Amen. So you know when we're doing this big offering for the first fruits, we're giving God our best. We're fasting, we're tithing, we're doing all these things. You know that you're not a, pl a part of a place that's going to close up our doors the second a variant comes. You'll know that we're going to be a place that is open and we're here. And we'll meet you at your greatest points of failure, your deepest parts of fear, your highest mountaintops moments. We will celebrate what needs to be celebrated. We will praise God what needs to be praised God. And we will pray for and believe for where you are lacking. And we will see God rule and reign in every area. That's takeover, church. We are people that are after John. We are people that are after Jesus. Amen. So what ends up happening is this. Because you got to imagine, right? You got to imagine, right? You're on trial. 80,000 people. Do you know what happens? 80,000 people when a Christian refuses to bow to culture. This is what happens when Christians refuse to bow to government overreach. This is what happens when Christians refuse all but Jesus. This is what happens. 80,000 people who showed up that day all to see a man be boiled to death. They bent a knee. They believed in their heart. They confessed with their lips that Jesus Christ was Lord. And 80,000 people in Rome came to know Jesus. Revival in our day. Revival or bust. Amen. I refuse anything but Jesus. And so what ends up happening is the mission. He's got a new mission. Come on. Stupid. The mission's got a new mission. So what does he do? He goes like this. All right, clearly death is too good for this man. Clearly death is too good for John. Clearly John is just too stupid to die. Let it be said of Matt McClure that I'm too stupid to die. What ends up happening is this. The mission goes, yo, 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 what's that, uh, what's that rock mine outside of Greece? What's that island? One of his guys is like, ah, Bahamas? No, 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 that's, too, that's, too, that's much too good. Ah, uh, Cosmo? No, 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 that's Mexico. Ah, uh, Hawaii, Samoa, Tonga. Australia. Uh, wait, no, that's today. <laughs> Prayers up for our brothers and sisters in Australia. It's, it's hard down there. It's hard down there. Domitian goes, send John to Patmos. 
See, Padmos is the small little island offside of Greece. Padmos is known for just being a rock mine. In fact, a lot of where they got the marble and the stones to build the Roman Colosseum actually came from this place. So the place that he was actually supposed to be boiled to death and die in is now the place that he finds himself with a hammer in one hand and chains around an unboiled ankle. And this is where John has this moment with Jesus. Is anybody else's mind blown? This is what God is able to do. Don't you tell me that he can't heal you of COVID. Don't you tell me that he can't protect your body. Don't tell me that he can't restore your marriage. Don't tell me that he can't uh, renew trust when adultery has been made. Don't you tell me that he's not too good to lead you to a path of victory when you are at your most tempted. Don't you tell me that he can't remove tumors and he can't put a uterus inside a woman who's had it removed. Don't you tell me he can't do it. This is who our God is. And John, John knew that. And I will live my life. I just turned 31 last week. It is awesome. But I will live my life. I don't care how old or how young. I am chasing the faith of John on Padmos because what happens is this. John has a hammer in a hand, ankle on, or a chain on his ankle, and he is working. This is John, the leader of the Roman church. John who refused to die. John who should be a saint. John who should be immortalized. John. Man, I thought being a pastor was going to be everything. I thought following Jesus was just going to lead to everything. I thought I was going to have the wife and the cars and the house. I thought I was just going to have everything. You do. None of that is everything. That's just extra. None of that is everything. A wife is great, let me tell you. I love mine. But give me Jesus. Ladies, find a man that loves Jesus more than he'll ever love you. Find a man that fears the Lord before he fears you. Yeah. And you will find a man that will remain faithful to both. Amen. John is on Padmos working in a rock mine. Hammering away. Chiseling away. Doing hard prison labor. I mean, come on. We live in a time and place where we just think it's going to be glorious, glorious, glorious. And yet every leader of the faith they had moments of glorious moments of greatness moments of everything being going on all the time and the parties and the wine and the good stuff like I mean they had these moments but the heroes of our faith they went through some things you will go through some things with Jesus won't you but whether you survive those things is determined completely on whether you remain with Jesus John remained with Jesus so much so. I love this moment. He says his vision comes upon him, and he just looks, and he just sees Jesus. He sees the glory. He sees the wonderful Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's got the robe dripped in blood. He's got the sword. He's got the things that made 16-year-old Matt McClure just get lit for heaven. Like he's got it all, and he's in this moment with the Lord, and he sees him. He's basking on his glory, and John says, I hit the floor like a dead man. I just looked at his eyes and I saw a blazing fire and I hit the ground like a dead man. And we need to pause right there for just a moment. We need to rest with the scripture this moment because friends, I want to ask you this morning, I, as your pastor, I, I don't just poke the areas in our lives for the sake of poking painful or neglected or maybe areas that we're just not serious about yet. I don't just do that for uh, fun and games or because I want to make fun of you or make you feel condemned. That's not why I do this. I approach the hard subjects in our lives because as a shepherd, we spend most of our time picking out the mud and the poop that sheep roll in of themselves, okay? This is what we do. This is what my pastor does for me. This is what I do for you. And I don't get to see my backside. I need people to tell me where I'm muddy still. I need people to tell me where I have got my own feces on my back still because I rolled in it like an idiot. Like, I need this. So trust me when I say, I don't approach these subjects to condemn you, but to invite you. To invite you to a greater reality that is found only in Jesus Christ. Amen?
So John has this moment on Padmos. On an island of prison where he's just condemned to hard work, where he's just condemned to hammer and to labor, and there's just pressing, and it just sucks, and it's just a long season, and it's just guaranteed. It doesn't look like it's going to get any brighter. It's just guaranteed that for the rest of his life, it just looks like hammering and shackles, clang-a-lang-lang, bang-a-bang-bang. That is what it looks like for John day in, day out. There's no Chick-fil-A. There's no El Cunado. There's no craft beer. There's no skinny jeans. There's no fashion. There's no lights. There's no worship music. There's no giant heaters that look like AT-ATs that are blessings one. They're not running. There's just rocks and dust and a future that is uncertain and for many of us that is what 2020 and 2021 has looked like for many of us that is what the last two years have looked like for many of us we feel like we've been in a prison season we feel like we've been in a padmos season we feel like we have just been banging and banging and banging away and we're just discontent we are feeling pressed down by our expectations of ourselves the expectations of others the achievements we hope to accomplish we are feeling pressed down by the world by the government by evil by hell by temptation our marriage whatever we are feeling pressed on all sides and for many of us we are feeling very defeated and for many of us Padmos Padmos didn't stay in 2020 Padmos didn't stay in 2021 Padmos has followed us three weeks in to 2022 so a question I need to ask you this morning I don't really want to ask but I have to ask it of myself, and if I'm going to ask it of myself, I'm going to ask it of my church. I'm going to ask it of my friends. I'm going to ask it of my sons and my daughters and my peers and my aunts and my uncles and the mothers and the fathers of the faith in the house, and I'm going to ask it of every single person who calls Takeover Church home. Friends, loved ones, when was the last time you looked upon the face of Jesus and your face hit the ground? When's the last time you positioned yourself. When's the last time you raised your hand? When's the last time you set apart your life? When was the last time you were intentionally aware of the presence of God and your face hit the ground? You fell down before the Lord like you was dead. When was the last time you just buckled underneath the glory and the love and the understanding and the patience and the grace and the mercy of Lord Jesus? When was it? For some of us, it was on Wednesday, right here in the center of this room. For some of us, it was this morning. Be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. And we just lift it high. I cannot help but be buckled. I cannot help but collapse underneath Christ. I can't help but jump. I can't help but cheer. I can't help but lose my bloody ever-loving mind. I will be even more undignified than this, said David. And I repeat that. But as I ask myself this question, I wonder when the last time we just fell on our face before the Lord and we just really, really became aware of his presence. You see, friends, I don't bring up Wednesday and I don't bring up January and I don't bring up these things to condemn anybody again. This is an invitation because for a lot of us, we are living in a Padmos season, but we are willfully unaware of the presence. It is entirely possible, friends, 
hear me this morning, to live in a Padmos prison season, but be willfully ignorant and completely blind and unaware to the presence of the living God. Jesus, for some of us, he could walk into the very room that we are in, but because we are willfully uninitiated, unaware, blind, deaf, and mute to his presence, he could walk into the very room that we are in. And our lives would remain unchanged. He could walk into the room that we are in and not move within our lives. He could come to the island that we are destitute on, that we are hopeless on. And he could be John. He could be in this moment where John just sees the glory because John is aware. John has programmed himself. John has decided within himself. He doesn't need a pastor to tell him to be at worship night. He doesn't need a pastor to tell him to give. He doesn't need a pastor to tell him to be at church. He doesn't need an entire preaching team of people in his church to go, how do we get people in the building? He doesn't need that because he didn't need the building to be in the presence. He didn't need a pastor to be in the presence. He didn't need the Bahamas to be in the presence. He didn't need 2022 to come to be in the presence. He didn't need COVID to disappear to be in the presence. He didn't need government mandates to end to be in the presence. He didn't need everything to be good all the time to be in the presence. John, John was in his uttermost, padmost season and yet was completely abandoned to being aware of the presence of Lord Jesus. Friends, looking at John's life, looking at yours, looking at Matt's, where does our life need to get to before we place ourselves in the presence? Seriously. Where? What's, what's, the, what's, what's the Richter scale? What's, what's, how bad does it need to get before you place yourself in the presence? How good does it need to get before you place yourself in the presence? How benign to life? How boring? How mundane? Before you decide you need some excitement and you need Jesus to light you up? Like, like what, is, what is it? How do we gauge this? Can we just be honest this morning? Because it's 2022. We are three weeks into this thing. We are fasting. We are praying. We are worshiping. We are positioning ourselves in the presence before the Lord. And I gotta wonder, when was the last time you fell on your face dead before the Lord. You see, John, John didn't wait for it to get worse because here's the thing. When life was good, he was still found resting against the chest of Jesus. When Jesus was there physically with him, everything was provided for. People were giving, people were sowing. He just reclined. That's what the Word of God says. It says that John was reclined against the breast of Jesus. He's just hanging out with his Lord and Savior when life was as cushy as it could be. He was reclining in the presence of Lord Jesus. And then when life was as destitute as it could be on Padmos, he was just boiled. Don't tell me that didn't hurt. Don't tell me that didn't suck. Don't tell me he wasn't embarrassed and naked and oil and on fire. But he worshiped and he seeked and he prayed. And with the Holy Spirit on the inside of him, he refused to die. And the reward there was definitely the fact that 80,000 people came home to know the Lord Heaven got fuller, heller got lighter. But John, John's reward was certainly the 80,000 people because his reward was certainly not Padmos. Where does life need to get to before you place yourself in the presence? Friends, as your pastor, we're not even telling you that we're going to have a midweek service every single week, okay? We have four 
and God gave you a freebie by giving you a snowstorm, you have three nights of worship. What would 2022 look like for you if you took first fruits seriously? What would it look like? Can I just be honest this morning because I'm asking myself these same questions? Man, that first Wednesday when we got snowed out, I was busy putting a floor in our upstairs brand new bathroom that somebody donated because they love God, praise him. And I was putting a floor in, and I'm still going, Matt, it's looking really bad. Everyone's calling me, everyone's texting me, Adrian's going and going, have you looked outside recently? And I'm like, we're not canceling until we can't do it anymore. And finally, literally, the power was out in the building. That's where it got to. 4.30, 5 o'clock, whatever it was, when I finally called it, that's the bleakest it had to get because I was deciding, and for me, in our house, we're not going to be like everyone else. We're going to be Johns of our generation. We're going to be Marys of our generation. We are going to be busy at the feet of Jesus, not being busy doing things he didn't ask us to do. Even in Padmos, even in prison, even with hammers and chisels, we are going to be in the presence of God. That's us. That's Takeover Church. There's not a single thing that, that that God, that man, that person, that Jesus couldn't ask of me that I'm not willing to just hand over. I just want to be in your presence, God. We don't just sing songs and say, come and fill us up for the heck of it. We sing it for the heaven of it. Amen. Heaven fill me, heaven rule me, heaven wreck me, heaven shape me, heaven change me, heaven empower me. I'm not content with people dying and going to hell. I'm not content with sickness ruling and reigning. I'm not content with fear mongering. I'm not content. It's not okay. Fear has been the strongest spirit in the earth in the last two years. But there's supposedly 8.6 million Pentecostals on the earth today. Are you kidding me? Right now, in 2022, the largest language spoken on the earth, like uh, per capita, like how many people speak it, is Mandarin. Barna Research, a Christian research group, says that by 2030, the most spoken language on the earth should be, if we are doing our jobs, not Mandarin, not English, tongues. Even if you don't believe in it, God believes in it for you. Friends, to quote the great theologian Aubrey Graham, I'm done saying, I'm done playing, I'm over this. Church, church can't be religion. Church can't be tradition. Jesus can't just be a Jesus piece around my neck and he can't be the guy I call when I need to be bailed out because Padmos is real and Padmos is here to stay and this world is just going to get darker and their things are going to be harder and it's going to be difficult to be a Christian. And right now, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father, they are surveying the world and they were looking for revival. Friends, you and I, you see, we, 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 you and me, we are designed to burn. We're designed to burn. We're designed to burn. We're not designed to go stagnant. We're not designed to go stale. We're not designed to go quiet. We're not designed to just fade into the dark. We're not designed to go quietly into the cold, dark night. We're not designed to be harmless or toothless. We're designed to be peacemakers, a.k.a. bringing people to peace with their maker. Have we thought about that? Have we thought about that? You know how John brought people to peace with their maker? He was boiled in front of 80,000 of them. You're designed to burn. I'm designed to burn. You and I, we are designed to burn. Matt, what do you mean like that? What do you mean about that? You see in this vision that John has, come on, somebody say, pastor's going to teach stuff. Guardians of the galaxy, I love it. Camp is going to teach stuff. Okay. You see in this moment, John, he doesn't just stop there. 
it says that he sees Jesus. And he sees Jesus and he, it's not just that he's all fire. It's not that he's been uh, burnished in, uh, brandished in, in bronze in a furnace or however he stated it. Very eloquently, obviously. It's not just his robe and his white hair and the fact that he sounds amazing. He says he sees him moving between the lamps and the lampstands of the churches. It says he's moving between the lamps and the lampstands of his churches. You know, it's funny, I had ordered an old amazing Jewish lamp and somebody stole it off my porch yesterday, true story. So I don't have one to show you because I was going to do this whole cool thing about it. Um, so what the enemy meant for evil, like I hope leads someone to repentance and peace with the Lord. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do with that thing. Anyways, um, prayers up for you, my guy. But it was stolen off my porch. But you see, you see John being a good Jewish boy, growing up in Jewish Hebrew school, standing with Jesus and looking at the scrolls of old, See, what John would have known what he was looking at in this vision, and what John is referencing here, the reason he says it the way he does, the reason he sees Jesus moving in between the lamps in the lampstands of the tabernacle, of the church, of the temple, is because in Exodus 25, I think we have it up on the, can we get that up on the screen there, Kels? Exodus 25, look at this, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But this is God in the Old Testament. You see, there's this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And, and, and Moses and Aaron and Joshua and the Israelite men that we all look up to. Come on, the trailblazers of our faith. We look at them and they are called. They were made. They had a mandate from heaven to build the tabernacle for the Lord. The holies of holies. A place where the Ark of the Covenant, which is like this, this chest, this box, this amazing Thing that, the re that the Holy Spirit of God, the presence of God at the time, would come and rest upon and rest in. And that is where God would reside. And only the most holiest of high priests were allowed to even get close. But you see, the thing about the tabernacle is it had very specific designs. See, the thing about the tabernacle is it had a very specific design. The tabernacle had a very specific design. There was specific instructions. I mean, you can look at this thing. You shall make a lampstand of pure gold. Pure gold. The lampstand shall be made of hammered work. We just don't escape the hammering in this life, okay? Whether it's for the glory of God or for Caesar. We're going to be hammering, okay? Just get used to it. It's base, it's stems, it's cups, it's calyxes. And its flowers shall be one piece with it. How is that possible? God, keep going uh, there, Kels, if you want to stem through. And there shall be six branches going out on its sides, and three branches over here, and this branch over here, and three branches at the back, and the lampstand, and the other side of it, and all of these things. And this, this is just the beginning. This is just the lampstand that the lamp itself would rest upon. You see, there was a lot of instructions in this Exodus chapter 25. There was a lot of mandates. Well, the calling of the tabernacle, how many of you know it was designed higher than other lampposts? It was designed higher than what Target can offer you, okay? It was designed higher than Ashley's furniture. We've got like three of you all in the place, come on. Give you a shout out. You need some furniture? we got some guys. This lampstand was so specific, and God was so clear with his instructions and his design for how the life of a lampstand, how the look of a lampstand, of how the functionality of the lampstand, how the appearance of the lampstand, listen to this, down to the very foundational aspects, what the lampstand could be made out of silver, could be made out of nickel, you could not buy this thing off sheen and paint it gold and call it gold, okay? This thing would turn y'all green and the Lord green. <laughs> it had to be specific even down to its very foundational elements. Nothing else besides gold was even worthy to be sought, to be looked at, to be considered. Man, God, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it's for me. 
It's how I have designed it. And how I've designed it, what I've called it, how I've positioned it, how I want it is how I want it. It's how I want it to look, how I want it to be, how I want it to hold, how I want it to be in the temples, in the tabernacles. Matt, what does this have to do with anything you're talking about? Because it had to do with what Jesus was talking about. It had to do with what John saw in his vision. Friends, in this moment that John is seeing all this, it played out right before his eyes. These lamps, these lampstands, these are no longer lampstands of the old. These are no longer tabernacles of old. It is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians when he called up the Corinthian church and he said, Hello, do you not know that you are the tabernacle of the Lord? Do you not know, Corinth? That you are the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit? Do you not know that your body is the tabernacle today? Your heart is the tabernacle today? You are the temple for the Lord. He used to rest on a Ark of the Covenant, and now he has a covenant people that he fills with himself. You are the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, Paul says. Do you not know? Well, friends, the question I have to ask is if we look at that scripture for the lamp post, the lamp stands, the lamps of the old tabernacle, how specific they were designed to burn. How much more are you and I designed to burn? One is just lighting, the other is his image. One is just table dressing, the other is kingdom influence in the earth today. Friends, do you see? Do you see? Man, there was an altar constructed right next to it, but now the altar is no longer in this tabernacle. It's in your heart. Friends, this isn't, this is a building. This is amazing. This is a blessing from on high. This is an, an incredible thing that God opened up a door so that we could get into, and it doesn't matter who abandoned us in the midst of it with all the promises to provide for it. Our Lord called us to be here and has provided every step of the way. Praise God. But this thing is a meeting house. You and I, we are the dwelling place. This is where other lampstands come. This is where other lamps come. This is where we gather. This is where we bring friends. The question today is, if you and I, we are called, destined, and instructed, designed to burn, what does our foundation need to be made out of? What do our curves need to look like? How are we to burn? How are we to stand how are we to be there to host the presence of God? How are you and I called and instructed to live? Some assembly is required. Not by good works, but by being a dwelling place in the, there's the word again, presence of the Lord. Friends, friends, what would Patmos look like for you? If you positioned yourself in the presence of the Lord, what would 2022 look like? What would your marriages look like? What would your finances look like? What would your life look like? What would your temptations look like? What would your heart look like? What condition would you be in? If we didn't come with our agendas, if we didn't come with our own hopes, if we didn't come with our own needs, but we came like the tabernacles of old, like the lamps of old, and we came and we just said, we're here to burn before the Lord. That's well, not my style of worship, Pastor. It's God's style. Yeah. All the messages are too long, Pastor. Well, I'll let you know when I start worshiping you. I don't have an agenda. I don't care about convenience. I'm designed to burn. I'm designed to ignite before the Lord. We are designed to burn. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Is this good for anybody this morning? 
Does anybody want to burn brighter, ignite fuller, be set ablaze before the Lord and man? See, what happens is the next piece of scripture in Exodus 27. Do we have that, Kelsey? I think we might. You see, the Lord, he speaks to Aaron, and Aaron is obviously Moses' brother. Moses had a stutter, so he needed his brother Aaron to be like his mouthpiece for him. He was like the MC, the hype man. He's amazing, okay? Like, Aaron is like the guy. I love him. He's amazing. But he's got all these sons, and see, Aaron, he was really commissioned. He was really positioned to, to build this tabernacle before the Lord and to make sure that all of these instructions were carried out. Could you imagine the mandate on his life, the pressure he must feel? And see, what it says here, it says, Command the people of Israel, <coughs> excuse me, I aspirated, to bring you pure oil of pressed olives. Aspirating means you choke down your own spit, okay? Yeah. Great. Man, you're a great preacher, man, except for that one time you freaking llama up there. All right. <laughs> uh, anyways, praise God. Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. Is there another part there? Thank you. The lampstand will stand in the tabernacle in front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. And Aaron and his sons, here we go, must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. This is a permanent law for the people of Israel and it must be observed from generation to generation. We talked about new wine last week, and we talked about holy desperation the week before, and it's all leading up to this big offering and this whole thing. We're really just giving God the first this year, and we're really positioning it. We're saying we are going to people, we're going to be a people who put our king first. That's what we give. That's what we do. That's how we live. I want nothing else. Nothing else. And so there's this design for the tabernacle. There's a design for the burning. And it says to Aaron, tell the people to bring fresh oil, pure oil, beaten olive oil. Tell the people, Aaron. Well, Matt took that personally, and I'm telling the people, you got to bring the oil. You see, oil, oil is different than new wine. Fresh oil is different than new wine. You see, new wine is what God has deposited on the inside of us, and then he breaks out of us when we go through hardships, what he draws forth from us, what comes out of us. When the Holy Spirit is deposited in us, new wine begins to flow in the crushing, in the gushing, in the pressing before the Lord. Amen? If you didn't hear last week's, go back and listen to it. But pressing, see, fresh oil, fresh oil doesn't come from the Lord. Fresh oil, like new wine, is essential for revival. But fresh oil is what you and I bring. It doesn't say, and the Lord brought Aaron and his children the freshest of oil from Mount Sinai. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say the Lord instructed and erected an olive tree from heaven on down and they picked from the olives. There were giants and pressed them. It doesn't say that. See, the Lord doesn't provide the oil. We do. We provide the oil and he sets us on fire. We provide the oil, and he brings the flame. We provide the oil, and he sets us on fire. Come on, somebody. Tell the people to bring the freshest, the purest, the beaten olive oil. Not your Padmos oil. Not your oil from that one time you really struggled with depression. Not the oil from when you were going through that divorce. Not the oil when your finances were so low. Not the oil of days gone by. Not even the oil from Azusa Street Revival in California in 1906. 
Don't even bring that oil. Don't bring George Wheatley's oil, Whitfield's oil. Don't bring Charles Finney's oil. Don't bring Stephen Furtick's oil. Don't bring your youth group oil. And please don't buy oil at Costco to bring before the Lord. No. Great deal. But it's not fresh. And it's not pure. And it's not beaten. He says, Aaron and Mo Aaron, you and your sons, tell the people to bring the freshest oil. You see, friends, what God says next in this moment is paramount to our faith today. If we're going to ignite, if we're going to burn, worship team, you can make your way up here. If we're, if we're going to do all the things that God has called us to do, this next part in this scripture is absolutely paramount to our faith. Because what the Lord instructs Aaron to do next probably sucks. <laughs> probably is inconvenient. Probably, I'm sure Aaron at times thought, you know what, it would just be nice if my faith could just be on autopilot. If I could just tune in online for a couple weeks. If I could just, oh man, if I could just pull it up on YouTube. If I could find it real easy. Um, man, like if I could just, you know, I'll catch the next one. Like I just need a week. Like, I'm sure Aaron would have really loved that because what the Lord instructs Aaron and his sons to do is, is his work, <laughs> is inconvenient. Um, it's something that the American church really has a problem with, myself included. Let me put the spotlight on myself. You see, what happens is this. Somebody say, what happens is? What happens is? I'm going to take that like you was paying attention. That's good. What happens is? He says, Aaron and your sons... There's another translation. I have the ESV that says this. I think that was the NLT. I like the ESV real blatant. He says this, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening to morning before the Lord, and it shall be a statue for generations to come. Aaron and your sons, you must tend this. I love the way the Lord says it because he knows people. He made you. He's watched us since the garden just wallow in our own sin and self-pity and our own self-destruction and sabotage. He gets sin and selfishness. He understands us. He gets the battles in our life. There's a reason he says, tend it from evening until morning. Well, God, that's when we're supposed to be sleeping. God, that's when everybody else is sleeping. I don't care about everybody else. You're my chosen people. You're the Israelites. You're the Christian. You're the Jesus follower. You're the takeover person. You're the revivalist in your home. You are the lampstand of your family. You are the lampstand for your children. You are the lampstand for your college campus. You are the lampstand for your church. You are the lampstand for your job. You are the lampstand for those that are far from God but close to you. Amen. So for you, no, no, no. You stay up all night. And you tend to it. Why? Because how many of you know if something's intended to burn, the oil has to be refilled. The oil has to be tended to. The oil has to be checked in. If oil is left alone, if the lamp is left alone, if the tabernacle is left alone, how many of you know, well, dust can fall in. Flies can get stuck things that shouldn't be mixed up in our oil, things that shouldn't be in there for the burning of the lamp properly. Things get in there, things fall in there, pollutes, taints, dilutes, water can leak in, anything can happen. The ash from the very wick can fall back in the lamp and suddenly you won't burn before the Lord but you'll blow smoke before men. Some of us we haven't been staying up at night tending to our lamps. When it's dark out, when we're tired, when maybe we're tempted pretty hard, when we don't have work and kids to distract us, when we don't have friends or things going on at church to distract us, when we don't have television or Netflix to distract us, when, we, when we're not really awake and we're not really all there, we've been fasting and we're a little hangry and angry, and like, you know what I mean? And it's hard to stay up with the Lord. 
It's hard to keep guard at night, but how many of you know you fight different battles at night, don't you? How many of you know when ships are coming in, that lighthouse really comes in handy because you will shipwreck your faith if that lamp isn't still lit. You will shipwreck your purity if that lamp doesn't burn bright. You will shipwreck your marriage if that lamp isn't tended to. You will shipwreck your destiny, your call, and everything the Lord has sacrificed and you've sacrificed. You know, you know how personally I take that charge? If I'm not checking my oil repeatedly, having other people come by and looking in it for me, if I'm not doing this, I sacrifice, I put all of this, all of you, all of these things in jeopardy? Because I didn't stay up late with the Lord. Because I didn't have my sons check in on me, my brothers check in me. Because I didn't tend my oil, man, some porn gets in there. Or a DM gets in there. And suddenly it's just not my marriage, it's just the church and it's everything and it's, it's, it's everything. This is real. This is real. This is the math that we don't consider when we want to go asleep, when we want to go to bed, when we want to rest before the Lord. But he says, stay up and tend before the Lord. You can sleep when others aren't. Stay up with me when others aren't. Friends, you and I, we were designed to burn like the lampstands of old, but the mandate got higher. Because suddenly... We're no longer just found and called to be in the presence of the Lord. We actually host the presence of the Lord. If you would just stand with me. And what John sees Jesus doing is exactly what the high priest of old and the holies of holies and the tabernacles of old would do. It says that Jesus is moving between the lamps. See, before that poor soul stole it off my porch, pray for him. Uh, I had a whole cool analogy, uh, but you just have to use your imagination. Is that cool? I got any imaginary people in the house? Yeah, okay. And there's these lampstands in the church, aka you and aka me and aka all of us. And it says that Jesus is moving between the lampstands just like the high priest of old he's got his golden ashtray for his golden lampstands his basin his catcher he's got his golden scissors his trimmers and what Jesus is doing is he is moving between the lampstands of this generation and he is carefully clipping away the wicks of old, the things in our lives that have burned out, the things that the Lord has already consumed, the areas in our lives that we need to move on from, the thing that keeps us burning bright because if those ashes fall back in, like I said earlier, you're designed to burn, but you will just blow smoke before men. Suddenly you won't just burn before the Lord in worship. You'll raise your hands, you'll come to church lethargic as a smoke screen to hide your pain. You'll raise your hands because you need to be relieved of some sort of tension and it's a cloud to distort how you really are and how you're really living because the Lord has not moved between your lampstands in a while because you haven't allowed him to check in on your oil. And suddenly you're just blowing smoke before the Lord instead of burning before the Lord. Don't look at me. I look fine. It's all good. It's not a blaze. It's not a furnace. It's not the worship that he's called for. It's not the presence-seeking life that he made you for. But Lord Jesus, when you're weak and you can't stay up, praise God that he's moving between the lampstand in your life and he is still checking your oil when you are too weak to stay up. He's still checking your oil when you're too broken to look in on yourself. He's checking the oil when you feel like everyone has abandoned you. He's making sure you will still burn for him. Friends, when Jesus moves between your lampstands, here's the end. Here's the end. Two reasons. Removal and renewal. Removal and renewal. How many of you know you can't have a revival without having a renewal? 
that you can have a renewal in you without a removal of the old you. Come on, somebody. So, Jesus, we're going to sing, Jesus, we love you. And some of you, right now, listen to me. Some of you, you need to come sit with your back against this altar and just be in the presence of the God. Just be in the presence of Jesus. Some of you, you'll get on your knees on this mat that we've placed here and you'll worship here. Some of you, you'll grab your spouse or your boyfriend, your girlfriend or your fiance or whoever and you will just dedicate your relationship before the Lord again and you will allow the Lord to remove any impurity and renewal of new purity. Amen. Some of us this morning, this is the charge. This is what's happening. This is what we're called to do because you and I, we're designed to burn. So as the worship team begins to sing, let the removal take place so renewal can come and revival can be seen in 2022. In Jesus' mighty name of faith, build church who loves Jesus and burns for him alone said.